All right, everybody, welcome back to Odd Man Rush. I'm Tony, he's Greg, and today we're talking post-deadline Rangers. Uh, we're going to call this the aftermath. Uh, <laughs> Greg, uh, Libra Hayek was called up from the uh, AHL, I think, about a week ago? Three games ago. So I think he got, I think his first game was against the Habs. Um, yeah, he's played three games so far. Yeah, he's played three games. And... Uh, so, what's your uh, first impressions of Libor Hayek uh, in his first real NHL stint here? Um, I think he's been I think he's been decent. Um, he's had some. Um, uh, well, it stinks. I mean, he's, he's being paired with uh, Neil Pionk, so unfortunately, that kind of stinks for him. Um, but having said all that, he's actually looked pretty good. Um, I, I think he's now look has he made some rookie mistakes the the first three games? Of course. Um, does he look as bad as everyone said that he was playing at Hartford? No, but then again, Hartford's a tire fire. So I don't, I didn't expect very much, you know, when people say, Oh, he's playing terrible in Hartford. I mean, Hartford is like a complete disaster. So I don't really take it that with a complete grain of salt. Has Hartford ever been good? Like ever? Um, no, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. Never been good. No. Um, let me think about that. Yeah, I can't remember the last time they were like a really good program. I can't even remember the last time they were decent. Like maybe my, when, maybe when maybe when Hartford actually had the the Whalers, not the right, not the Wolf 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 Wolf. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while since the city of Hartford had some winning hockey there. You know that was fun. Like yeah, I'm just, I can't even think of a time that they were even acceptable. Like they've been a tire fire for a long time. So yeah. I mean. I wasn't really tuned into the debate. I, like, I'll be honest. For anybody who listens to this program, I spend very little time paying attention to you people on Twitter. I'm not going to lie. But I heard rumblings of a debate going on in some sector of the New York Rangers Twitter that uh, there was a little bit of grumbling because Hyatt got called up instead of someone else. I guess maybe like Lindgren or Gilmore, someone who had better stats. Right. Um, in Hartford, and uh, I completely understand why you would feel that way. But this season's lost. I mean, it's over. <laughs> you know, uh, the the management has made that clear. We're done here. So you got a guy that you traded your star defenseman for last year. He's gonna get preference over a guy like John Gilmore. It's just going to happen. He'll even get preference over Ryan Lindgren just because of what was given up for him. so And I think he's going to be a better player than Ryan Lindgren, so that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I liked what I saw from Lindgren, but I didn't see anything from him that was like, oh, man, this guy's going to be really good. I mean, he'll, he can be your second-pair defenseman, but he cannot be the better of those two defensemen. Like, he has to be the, uh, the sidekick there. So, I agree. Yeah, so... Uh, like I said, nothing wrong with Ryan Lindgren. Uh, he'll probably get a few good years in in the NHL, but he didn't blow my socks off. Um, as far as Lin- or as far as a uh, Hyatt goes, uh, I don't know. I might catch some heat for this, but Libra Hayek, I I read a tweet in, from the an a incredible account called uh, Trill Withers, which is. I love that name, Trill Withers. That's the fucking greatest thing. But uh, one of the tweets he put out was, uh, you judge a guy by his skill set, not his stats. So 
I don't look at Hayek's stats, and I'm not considering it when I say this, but um, Hayek <coughs> doesn't strike me as a guy who has a particularly great skill set. Like, with him, I'm seeing shades of what I saw with Neil Pionk last year, how he, he impressed us the second half of last year and then completely fell off this year. Um, Hayek doesn't, he's not a particularly gifted skater. He's not a big guy. Uh He's a decent passer when he has time. If he doesn't have time, I've seen him pull off a few little tricks to avoid pressure, and that's great, but those tricks aren't going to work forever. I just want you guys to know that. Those tricks are working now because people aren't used to playing against him. People are going to get used to seeing him flip the puck over their head or flip it around his back to try and escape pressure. He's he's going to have to improve his skill set. Like... I, I realize he's been solid, and he has been solid. Like, from a production standpoint, he's been just fine. But if you're looking at his skill set, he definitely has a ways to go. Like, I, skill set-wise, I don't see a ton of difference between him and Neil Pionk is basically what I'm saying. Oh, uh, I, I – this yeah, you're going to catch me for this. <laughs> you are going to get, like you, – you've definitely had some hot takes. This one is, like, smoldering lava. I know we're gonna Dude, really. I mean, he's not actually listen. He's not gonna be, to this not gonna be Neil Pionk, man. Like he's gonna be a lot better than Neil Pionk. I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm, no, no. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that he's gonna be as productive as Neil Pionk. Like I'm not gonna say that his actual production is going to look the same as Neil Pionk. Because if you had asked me this time last year, I would have said mm-hmm. that Neil Pionk would have had a far better year this year than he has had. Um, but I'm not gonna compare their production just yet. Just from pure skill set, I don't see much of a difference between his skill set and Neil Pionk's. Now, maybe he can do more with that skill set than Neil Pionk has done, but that's I have him in the same tier as far as skill sets I, go. I, 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 now, that's where I'm going to disagree. I have him in a, I have him in a tier above um, Pionk. Okay. I think he's. I think he can provide... I think, I think Lieber Hayek is probably going to be a solid middle pair guy. Yeah, that's reasonable. I I think the same thing. But about I think Neil that's Pionk. better than Piak. I think Piak is a is at best a power play specialist, um, maybe bottom pairing guy. I, I actually don't think very high of Neil Piak. The honest, he just commits t- his 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 mental lapses on defense are atrocious enough. Where and you watch the first three games of Lieber Hayek, that's actually his best attribute. Like he does not, he actually makes a lot of good defensive plays. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like so I, said, I think he's that made like, good plays for sure. Absolutely, I'm not gonna. I can't deny that. the The tape shows it. I cannot deny <laughs> his production this last few games. I can't deny it. He's been he's been good. Like he's he's produced. Um, I just don't know how sustainable it is. Um, like I said last year, at the same time, we were saying the same things about Neil Pionk. Uh, he's heady. He makes good plays on defense. You know. And I still think those things about Neil. No, Pink. I think I um, think even last year we we were just too, we were just very concerned. We were very. Um, I think last year the thing was we looked at his offensive production and we got excited about that. And we could and he was still meh defensively. But it's almost like if you can keep producing like that offensively, I can overshadow and like not look at some of your defensive gaps right. and put you with someone who's defensively minded, and you'll be okay. The, the, the problem with that is that his his offensive production has went down and his defensive game has went even more to shit. Yeah. His, I mean, look, I've said it a hundred times on this program. Neil Pionk is not a good hockey player. He just makes plays. 
he stopped making plays a long time ago. And <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. And he, stopped yeah, he stopped making plays and it shows, I mean, because he doesn't bring anything else to the <clears> table if he's not making plays. I mean, you remember that goal against Montreal. That's the kind of stuff that he needs to do more consistently if we're going to be able to overlook his lapses in his defensive game. But I, I don't think the, the problem with Neil Pionk is that he doesn't understand the game. I actually do think Neil Pionk understands the game. I think he knows what he's supposed to do. He just doesn't. It's like a guy who, it, look, I'm just going to be honest here. If you're listening to this show and you watch a ton of hockey, more than likely you can't dance. I don't know why. I just feel like there's a correlation there. But everyone knows what your body is supposed to do when you're trying to dance. But you just can't make your body do it, you know? I feel the same way about Neil Pionk. Like, I think he knows what he's supposed to do. His body just won't do it. And uh, I think that's because of his limited skill set. Um, like I said, Libra Hayek, he's come in hot right now. He's had as good a start as he could have possibly had. Good for him. Uh, but skill set-wise, he's definitely got a ways to go. Um, I look in the future, I see Neil Pionk as a guy who could be a second-pair guy. Same thing as Ryan Lindgren. I just don't think he can be the best player on that second pair. But, okay, that's fair. We, we, we can disagree on, on Hayek a little bit. That's fine. Yeah, but like I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade at Hayek. I'm really not. Like I have, I respect what he's done this last three games. Like I said, the tape doesn't lie. You know, like he's he's done what he's needed to do. He's gotten the job done. Um, my concern is just going forward. Are these little tricks he's pulling off going to keep working, or is he going to have to improve that skill set a little bit? We'll see. We shall see. We shall see. I did like the the hip check behind the net on Jamie Ben. That was nice. That was, nice. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was nice. Well, that's one thing. I mean, the, the thing I like about about um, Libor Hayek is. He doesn't really it's, – it's not like he's got one particular part of his game that stands out than the rest. He's just decent everywhere. Right. He's just been solid. You know, he's solid everywhere. Like he's not like he's really good offensively and, and bad defensively or really bad defensively or really good defensively and just, you know, not very good offensively. He's kind of you – know, he nothing stands out tremendously, but not, there's no real glaring weakness in his game other than he's young. I'll be 100% honest with you. I was expecting more offense from him, you know, when he showed up this time around. Because I remember in the preseason, uh, he was pretty good offensively. Like He was. He, and, and that's actually something he was even good with in the, at, at the World Juniors and, you know, and stuff like that. And the thing is, I just wonder if playing with that tire fire in Hartford, it wasn't good for his, his, his offensive game. I wonder if now he's, he's just... Because that team is so bad, I wonder if now he's just he might take a while to crack out of that. Okay, I can I can take some more risks. Yeah, like I, that's what I'm waiting to see is when he feels like he can open up. Because I mean, you can, can kind of tell right now he's just focused on don't get beat, don't get beat. Just yeah, he's just focused on like beat. don't be that guy, don't take don't take egregious risks. Right, like don't yeah, don't pinch too hard. You know, don't. Exactly carry the puck out of the zone yourself just try and make an outlet pass like but i think it, i think he'll come out of his shell eventually when he realizes playing with the rangers and not hartford although yeah. that they're you know i mean <laughs> they're kind of in the same, <laughs> right? the same. <laughs> but yeah i mean that's, but that that's what happens when you play with bad teams too because you're not comfortable taking risks you're playing on a bad team yeah yeah, I, I I definitely understand that. Um, you know, so if he was playing for the Tampa Bay, if he was playing for the Tampa Bay Lightning right now, he'd be m- much more comfortable taking a risk. Cause like, look, I got 
a right. zillion defensemen behind me that are really good and I a bunch of forwards that are really good. I, I can I can like really I can go out here and just dance. I can be whatever. Right. Like I got a goalie that's gonna win the Fezina, like if not this year, then next year. Then you know, like of course you could take those kind of chances. Yeah, as, he's got an all star team Jeff. behind he him. He doesn't really care, you know. So it, it's a different feel. Yeah. So it's we'll see. But I, I I've liked what I've seen from Hayek so far. I actually think it's gonna be a you know, a middle middle pair guy and I think he's gonna be he, he could definitely be a factor on this on this Ranger defense for a while. And speaking of, like this Ranger defense, it's gonna look a lot different in two years, dude. I, I don't see I, Smith is not gonna be here, Stahl is not gonna be here, um Shattenkirk probably is not gonna be here. So yeah, um, I I can't see too many guys getting reset. I don't think Pionk is part of the part of the uh, the long term solution here. So, guess what? We're gonna need guys. Here's here's what I say. Um, look, I've long argued from the beginning since before we even signed Kevin Shattenkirk that the answer to the Rangers' problems was just waiting out bad contracts. Just so happens for the Rangers, most of those bad contracts are on the blue line. So. Like you said, Stahl's gone when his contract expires. Smith, uh, Smith, will, Smith be will be gone. Shattenkirk will be gone. They're probably not going to re-sign him. Um, Neil Pionk, I, it, look, I, it hurts me to see this fan base give up on him so quickly. Look, I, I remember how excited we were this time last year about him. And when he was making plays and he was doing things. I still have a lot of respect for Neil Pionk, and I still actually do believe that he will be an effective defenseman. So, I don't want to see the Rangers give up on Neil Pionk. Um, I just don't. I just don't know what his defense. I just. I mean, he's. I can live with him taking a step back offensively, but his defensive game's got to get odd. Like, oh yeah, it's got to yeah. got to do with it's got to do like a one eighty. It really does. It cannot be this. Yeah, it's it, really, it, it's, it's he really has bad. to improve. He either has to supercharge his offense or he's got to bring up that defense for sure. Exactly, that's exactly it. Yeah, one like or the that. other has to do for him to be a productive NHL. Exactly, like that's that's a totally reasonable take for sure. Um, but I think he will accomplish one of those things. I I do think that he will either be more consistent offensively. Or he'll figure out the defensive game. I, I, I really have faith that he'll improve enough to uh, be an effective NHLer. So I think he'll stick around. Obviously, Tony D. I think we can all say Tony D'Angelo is going to be the number one guy going forward. I mean, so long as the Rangers. It's really hard. Re- it's really hard. Him. It's really hard to argue against that. Um, I think you can. I think you can make an argument that aside from Brady Shea and Freddie Clayson, he's been their best defenseman all year. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that he's been the best defenseman for the Rangers most of the year and uh Brady no, Shea I, I, has I also had I, a pretty I, good I year think I'd, Shea, I'd put Shea one as their best defenseman all year because he's came out the gate real good had a couple months where he looked pretty bad and then had the last month or two look really good so um overall game for Brady Shea has probably been way more positive than negative and so he's probably been the, the most consistent best defenseman they've had all year um then I'd probably slotting Clayson, as crazy as that sounds, I think he's actually been the, the next best behind that. Um, then it's D'Angelo and then Shattenkirk. See, I'm going to go D'Angelo, Shea, which is like a 1A, 1B sort of thing. And then, uh, but of course, they can't be paired together because we saw how that went. And yeah. <laughs> for some reason, they just don't work all that well together. But And that's okay. Um, and then Clayson... He's he's been, looked, he's been real good. Yeah, he's he really looked, has. He's looked solid. Um, the only issue is he doesn't get a lot of burn. 
he just doesn't get a lot of playing time with the uh, with the team because he's either getting scratched or he's been hurt. So right. it's a small sample size, but yeah, Clayson's had a solid year, and then uh, Shattenkirk. If you want to ignore all context surrounding Kevin Shattenkirk, then he's had a decent year too, I suppose. He has. Uh, <laughs> now his, his his production hasn't been what I wanted it to, right. but I also think I'm putting things in context: the injuries, um, the terrible team, the you know the the contract and what we expect from him. If you take all of that out and just look at the hockey player in general, he's been pretty good. Yeah, I think like, I think he's actually I think actually on Rangers Twitter he's gotten more heat than he deserves. I think he's been good. Now has he been? Um, all-star level good? No, of course not. But he's been—he—he's he, not your problem. Your problem, more than anything, is—and obviously Smith has been playing a lot more forward, and we could talk about that in a second. Um, Smith has been a problem. Um, Stahl actually has not been bad, but he's been average. But that's—but that's—that's good for him. But that's still not really good. That's still not what you expect from a guy logging that many minutes. I think the you know problem what I'm with the Rangers blue line is that. We're not getting our money's worth from half of these guys. Like, we're I think not. That's fair. Yeah, I think yeah. That's we're not fair. getting our money's worth from Brendan Smith. Sure, we can slot him in at Ford, and he can run into things. But that's not exactly what you know. That's not what we had in mind when we signed him to that deal. And uh, the same, the same thing with Stahl too. Like, you're not getting your, your money's worth. I'm not yeah. paying that much money for an average defenseman. You know, like I would like for you to be good. You know, at yeah, least exactly. Pretty good. You know, um, and then Shattenkirk, same thing. Like. If you if you took his if you took all the jersey numbers off, or if you watched a game in black and white, and you know Shattenkirk was out there, you'd be like, yeah, he's having a decent time most of the time. Exactly. But you know, when you take the contract and all that stuff into consideration, we're not exactly getting our money's worth for that guy either. So half of the and, blue I, th- line, and I think it's because we have an expectation for Shattenkirk. We expect a lot more from him. Yeah. And I think I think some of the I think some of the things that some of the expectations for Kevin Shattenkirk were unreasonable. Now. You know, when he when we signed him, we signed him to be the the one B to you know to McDonough, and I think that would have looked real nice. The problem is, and then then you're then Kevin Shattenkirk looks like a whole different player. Now you move off McDonough, Shattenkirk is doesn't really have a real partner. He's kind of just you know moving around a lot, right. and he gets hurt, and then all these other factors in. And unfortunately, I I, I think it's an unjust opinion of him, um, and that sucks for him. It really does. Like. He he signed here because he wanted to play with McDonough, and then they shipped McDonough off like a few months later. That right. sucks. That's, that really that's sucks. Fucked for him. up. Like, I actually fucking feel that he signed here specifically <laughs> to play. Up. Yeah, he even said I I signed here specifically so I could play with Ryan McDonough, and then you ship him off a few months later <laughs> after <laughs> McDonough had been injured for half of that time. Right, and, 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 and this is this, this is where I get a little bit mad at the Rangers front office sometimes because. You should have seen the writing on the wall in the Ottawa series that this team was going to take a few steps back soon. And signing Kevin Shattenkirk probably wasn't the, the smartest idea because if you're if you're going to rebuild in the next year or two, right. because you're just you're just you're creating another piece that you're going to have to move at some point or deal with financially. So if you look, you know what I mean. And, and maybe the Rangers didn't. Maybe maybe it all hit them too fast. But this is also um, a little bit of an, a little bit of an issue when I when I think of the Rangers front office is you have to be a little bit you have to have a little more foresight to say okay, we looked at our Ottawa series. What's the issue? Are we regressing here? Are we going to take a step back in 2017, 2018? Are we going to take a step back? Or are we just one piece away? And they probably looked at the other way. Like, ah, you know what? Bad luck, bad bounce here, blah, blah, blah. We're still in the hunt. And I think, hmm, 
no, probably not. I think you should pull the plug early and start the rebuild a little earlier. And that's where some, and, and I think the Rangers probably started the rebuild process a year too late, in my opinion, which is why they're struggling to, not struggling, but why they're not as far down the, the rebuild pipeline as we'd like at this point. Because they, 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 you know, because they signed, they signed Shattenkirk. They moved McDonough, in my opinion, probably a year, probably a little too late. They could have gotten more from the year before. So a lot of things, unfortunately, are because they sat on their butt a little bit and just kind of wanted to milk Lundqvist, milk the run. You know, and that's not, I think that's bad management sometimes. You have to know sometimes when you've met your run and say, okay, we need to, we need to get in front of this thing. And it might not be the fan favorite um, uh, thing, but. Let's get ahead of this. Let's start the rebuild now. And then in two years, we're right back where we were. Instead of saying, oh, we really got to take another year on to- a year or two on top of that. And you know what I mean? Well, here's here's what I'll say. Uh, I agree with the the fact that the the rebuild started a little bit too late. But it's not because specifically because they signed Shattenkirk. It's, they've, they've done this weird hopscotch thing, right? So just before they signed Shattenkirk, a couple months before they signed Shattenkirk, they traded off Stepan who's their number one center. Now, whether you think Stepan is that good or not doesn't really matter. When you trade your number one center, you're probably starting a rebuild, especially when they traded him for futures. They traded him for Tony D'Angelo of two years ago, who was a prospect, and the seventh pick in the draft. Correct. That's a fine trade, but the signal that you would think that that would be sending is we're starting to rebuild now. But yeah, then, and, and then you do that, and then sign, and then sign Kevin Shattenkirk, and then sign Shattenkirk, who was twenty eight years old at the time. So, listen, I'm, I'm actually, I'll be honest, you hit the nail right on the head. That's exactly right. It, it makes no sense. And in context, it's like, well, why are you certain you're going to sign Kevin Shattenkirk because you know you're going to be moving McDonough, or you think you might in the next year or two because you don't want to sign him to this long term deal because you're, you're thinking this is the end of the, the run. Well, then what are you signing Shattenkirk for? It makes no sense. And you know what? I don't, I. I it's a weird one. Like, I feel like, I mean, we can almost look at him in the same breath that we look at Artemi Panarin. Really good player, would be great if this, if, if this was three, four years ago, but might be the wrong time. And Kevin Shattenkirk, same thing. Unfortunately, we got Kevin Shattenkirk when we're in a rebuild. If we would have had Kevin Shattenkirk, you know, during the, yeah, the long few days when we were fighting against the Kings, right. yeah, and the Penguins and the Caps, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, different, it's a different team. Right. And, and look, it's it's like Brooks said a couple weeks ago. It's it's a self fulfilling prophecy in New York. Losing is a self fulfilling prophecy for these teams in New York, be it the Giants or you know the the Rangers or whomever or the Knicks. It's like if you trade your number one center and then you sign presumably a number one defenseman, you're in the same place. You know, presumably you're in the same place that you were before. You just look a little bit different. So I think. I think if things had gone better, Shattenkirk's first year, like if this team, you know, was at the top of the division, McDonough doesn't get traded, you know, maybe this team looks a lot different. That that letter never gets sent, you know, it, it just looks a lot different, but it didn't go better. So McDonough gets traded. Now you're stuck with Shattenkirk. Um, you traded Hayes and now you're talking about signing Panarin. It's just this weird hopscotch that we've been doing for the last two years. But what I will say is that we can look back at it, hindsight 2020, but the Rangers organization has given this fan base everything that they've asked for for the last two years. Literally, we begged them to sign Kevin Shattenkirk. They did it. 
We begged them to sign or to trade Derek Stepan before his no-move clause kicked in. They did it. We begged them to trade Kevin Hayes all season this year. They did it. You know, we begged them to trade Max Zuccarello this year. They did it. We're begging them to sign Artemi Panarin for reasons that I don't quite understand. And they're going to try to do it. They have done everything this fan base has asked them to do. So well, the, at, prob- the problem is the fan, the fan base, unfortunately, because most of the fan base are New Yorkers and we're a little impatient, is that we get all over the place. Like we see the kids and then part of us like excited for the kids and the youth and the future and blah, blah, blah and all of that. Then we go and we see a highlight reel of our Timmy Panarin just dancing on guys and scoring crazy right, balls. Right. We're we like, oh that. my God, like we, <laughs> we get him and the kids are great. We're, we're right where we start. And sometimes we need to – and I'm not against – like if, if the Rangers take the approach of saying we're not signing Panarin, we're not signing Carlson. We're not going to give, you know, Kreider an extension. Let's just hypothetically say they go that route. I'm not – that's fine with me because the philosophy makes sense. It's if you just I, – I, all I want is to do one thing is pick a direction. Don't, like, half-ass the direction. Don't be like, well, we're going to rebuild and then we're also going to sign every free agent. Right. If you're going to exactly. sign a free agent, it has to make sense. Meaning, like, if you're going to go out and give Panarin, let's say, a seven-year contract, let's just say, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm okay with that if, let's say, you hit the lotto and you have one of these top three picks and you think they're going to plug right right in. And you think Miller is going to come over next year. And you think that Shestorkin's coming over. And you think that all these kids are literally like a year away from really hitting the, the, the gas. And you see the future in, in, in Kreider as a leader on this team. And if, you're, if that's your thought process in all of this, then yes, signing Panera makes sense. Because in two years, when this team is ready to compete, he's on your roster. Now, if you're thinking that this is a five five year rebuild even from now, well, then signing Panera makes no sense because you have to move him by the right. end of his contract. And you won't no be sense. able you're to just move wasting him. money. Matter of <laughs> fact, you're making your team worse in terms of drafting because he'll probably win you some games. Exactly, so it and make, that's, it just makes no sense. That's why I say do not sign Panera because what I was told, the way that this whole rebuild was pitched by the fan base, was that we were in this to get elite talent. Young elite talent, talent all our own, like Crosby and like Ovechkin and Matthews and McDavid and all those guys. Um, you can't do that with Artemi Panarin. You can only be so bad when I, you have Panarin, Zabanejad, Kreider, Lundqvist, all those guys. You can only you're gonna, so you're gonna win some games, exactly. right? You're going to win some games. I mean, you look at even the Red Wings; they have some talent there, but. There's a lot of people sinking that team, you know, so they can just trot out their stars and be just fine because there's so many anchors on that team. The Rangers don't have that many anchors like they have some good players. Most of them are average players and then a few bad players. The Red Wings have a few good players and some really bad players like half of their roster is really bad players. So. And You're, really bad contracts. <laughs> right, and really bad contracts because they don't even have cap space. So. Yeah, it's, it's funny. We talk about other teams. Like, we talk about how tight the Tampa Bay is on cap. And I yeah, think we talk about few other teams, and Toronto. The, the Red Wings are just are pretty bad. Like, go, go look at, like, how many bad contracts they have. You just go look at go look at you know cap friendly or any of those sites and you'll be like whoa they have some horrendous yeah. deals <laughs> and they have to wait out those deals and that seems to be what they're doing they're just waiting them out and uh, but yeah they have no cap space they can't sign a free agent even if they wanted to no um, they can't 
yeah, they, they just can't. So they can barely afford to extend the guys that they have. So Yeah, they can barely afford to keep some of the good guys. Right. So that's the situation that they're in. We're not in that situation. Um, but adding Artemi Panarin to this team makes it so that getting a top three pick is not an option anymore. Like, you'll well, never well, be that bad. Well, let me say let me say this. And this is the reason why I think Gordon is going in this direction, where he's kind of hopscotching it, so to speak. I think there's this feeling that New Yorkers are impatient and he feels like we can't really grind a real rebuild. Part of me wonders if he looks at what the Yankees did, he looks at what the Knicks are trying to do now by just being bad one year and signing three free agents and being back right. in the mix, which is another, I mean, it's not a Knicks podcast, but like, I mean, I understand, I understand what, <laughs> I understand what the Knicks one. are trying to do, but you are, I mean, you are literally like chucking the ball from the other end trying to hit like a you know like a like a buzzer beater from yeah. you have the other half court yeah that's I exactly agree. what you're trying to do like it's that much of a prayer like you're hoping that you that you get the number one pick to get zion and on top of that you're also hoping that you know kd comes over and you get kyrie irving and, yeah i mean right and what reason I, would I don't they have I, to come to new york specifically rather than go to houston or stay where they are or yeah i mean so, so the thing is i think i think gordon looks at like that quick rebuild, the Yankees basically did it in a year and a half. Um, you know, even the Giants, like, going to draft Saquon Barkley and, like, trying to this this weird thing by playing Eli Manning, even though he's, we all think, he, we all know how, how done he is. So it's just like, I think that there's this, and then you look at all these franchises, they're all doing the same thing where, like, they want to rebuild because they know it's the right thing in terms of what an organization should do and stockpile young players and be bad for a little bit. But they also kind of realize, like, unfortunately, we live in this city where we can't accept that. And it's unfortunate. And it sucks. And it right. su- and it's, a matter of fact, it's the reason why the Yankees, in my opinion, had, like, a 10-year lapse where they were just not bad, but they were just okay. Right. It's yeah, because I mean, they, 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 just, like, they terrible, wouldn't want to be bad. Okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's because you, can, you have to accept that. Like, really good franchises know, okay, I'm at the end of my ropes. I need to gut this and then restart. But here's the thing about the Yankees, and this is why I don't compare anything to baseball, because there is no reward for being obscenely bad in baseball. You're right about that. You're right. Like, if you're really bad, you end up like the Athletics or like the the Pirates, where you're just hopelessly bad for decades on on top of decades on top of decades, because the draft just doesn't have the impact that it does in the NBA or even the NHL. Um, right, or the or the NFL, which has the biggest impact of all. Yes, yes, the NFL has the greatest impact of all. Um, I would say the NBA is right underneath as far as like the top draft picks. The the I think I think, I think it's I think it's NFL one the biggest impact, and yeah. then the NBA and the NHL are basically tied right after. Yes, that. because it's I think very they, I think they both have the same impact. You get a you get a, a, a top first round guy, it changes your franchise. Exactly, and like the thing about the NHL and the NBA is that the NFL. The first round, all of those players are impact players. Like, that first round, all those guys are impact players. Like, what are they, 32 picks? I would say 25 of them are going to play consistently for whoever drafted them. Yeah. And in the NBA, there's, what, 30 picks? Probably 10 of those guys are going to play consistently for the team that drafted them. And it's the same thing for the NHL. 10, 15 yeah, about, guys. About, about 10 to 15 guys. Yeah, yeah 10 to 15 guys. Um so it doesn't reward you as much to be bad as it does in the NFL where you see an instant reward for it, but it still helps to be a certain level of bad for a certain amount of time. Now, back to your point about uh, 
New York not being able to go through a full rebuild, they can't. And here's why. It's totally because of the fan bases here. Because fan bases in New York beg for rebuilds, but they don't want to deal with rebuilds. So then a year or two in, they completely jump ship and then act like they never asked for this in the first place. And nobody you're, bats you're completely eye. You're completely right. And that, that frustrates me about New York fan bases in general. And this is not me speaking. Um, this is just reality. Uh, and I agree. And I'm, 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 usually, I'm the one that thinks if you're going to do it, you need to just, you know, bite, your, bite your, your, your lip and just deal with it for a few years and understand that, you know what it is? Maybe it's the fact that we do really bad as a country and, you know, like uh, Americans in general with like delayed gratification. We just do. You know, we're not used to delayed gratification. We're not used to, okay, we need to suck it up. And then three, four years from now, the reward is there. We're, we're pretty bad at that. We're really good at instant gratification. Oh, like, you know, I, I won this prize and I get it today. Or, you know what I mean? Like, whereas something that has much more delayed process, we have a hard time accepting that. So at first we think it's going to be great, but then like we're a quarter way through it and we get frustrated. Like we're, you know what I mean? And we do the same thing, whether it's school or our jobs, like we're just kind of bad at that. So we just need to bite down and realize it's okay. Delayed gratification is fine. Like just deal with the grind and understand that we're going to reap the rewards later on. But I don't think the front office understands that. And they probably also have some pressure from, you know, the, the suits in the, in the garden. It's like, you know, the, the people who are buying the, the, the packages and saying, Hey, we need to be better, faster guys. Like, <laughs> and That's it's true. like, That's true. and you, and you, and you as a front office have to understand is now it's okay to be better faster if you think you've got the right pieces but if you still still think that you don't have them then you're doing the, you're going to do this fast rebuild and you're going to set yourself back again just like you know like other franchises have done where they think they're there and then they jump the gas too early right and then and, they, and then they and then they miss it the the rangers are running the real risk of being exactly what they tore down they're they're going to be a good team that just isn't good enough you know, if you sign Panarin and you'll make the playoffs, if this Rangers, if you just add Artemi Panarin to this team right here, they'll make the playoffs. Sure. I don't know what seat they'll be, but they, they'll make the playoffs. Uh, they're in a they're in the weakest division in the league. You know, the the caps are not as dominant as they used to be. The Pens I think are not add, as dominant yeah, as they used to be. I think if you add Panarin and Carlson, I think you need both of them. I don't think Panarin alone no, Not gets just to the make playoffs. the playoffs. Not just to make the playoffs. They, they can make the playoffs. Now, if we're talking about winning series and stuff, eh, we'll see. But just making the playoffs, if you add Panarin to this, they'll, they'll make the playoffs. But now you're... I, I don't see them winning too many series, though. Like, they're... We're going to have the same team that we had a couple years ago. A team that's going to get in, maybe win a round, and then lose to the next. You know? And then lose the next one. That's the the best possibility. Yes, that's the best way that it could go. And that's why I'm like, why would we do this then just to be what we were? You know? So if we're going to do this, do a full rebuild. You know, it's going to suck. But we're already there. You know, I, I contested this rebuild from the very beginning, but I can't contest it anymore because we're already here. We're, we're already here. So just go through with it. It's going to suck. But you look at a team like Buffalo, uh, they're going to be a good team in a couple of years. They, their success is as Oh, yeah, simple. they're going to be really good in a couple of years. I think. Yeah, they're going to be great. And the, the Red Wings are going to be great too very soon. And that's because they suffered for a little bit. But – 
And so will Vancouver. They're another good, another good, another good example. They suffered for a while. Uh, Vancouver hasn't been legitimately good for like what six years now. So, yeah, but give it another two years, and that team's gonna be knocking on doors. Yeah, they're gonna be knocking on doors for sure. And I think Buffalo will be the same way, and I think uh, Detroit will be the same way. But it yep. takes a little patience. The New York fan base has to have patience, and it's on the fan base, me, you, and a lot of the people who listen to the show to hold people accountable for this because they're going to the same people that were yelling sell 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 this time last year this time next year are going to be talking about how they never wanted this how this isn't what they asked for or jeff gordon did it wrong you know right right and it's like if you go if you go around yelling sell 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 you don't get to say oh he did it wrong that's why it didn't work no this is what you wanted so you have to stick for it. We can't allow this fan base to do a complete 180 because if they do, then management is going to try and supercharge this rebuild and we're going to end up in the same spot we were in a couple years ago where we're a decent team. We're making the playoffs, but we're not really contending. And that wasn't the point of this. Yeah, I think that's I think that's completely accurate, man. So I think well, that's I think that's I think that's on point. I really do. I don't disagree with anything you just said. <laughs> Look at that. Um, we agree so on let's, something. We, we do. So let's move forward. We've definitely chatted on the Ranger, the Rangers' direction for a while. Okay. Let's get back to some of the games. All right. So, because um, I think I think I think there's some things that there's some good stuff to talk about. So the games, right? So we've had um, since we've last chatted, we had a game against Tampa Bay. We had a game against the Caps. We had a game against um, Dallas, and I think Montreal. Is that right? Those uh, yeah. are the four games they played, and they haven't won any of those games. No, I haven't won any. Of them. Having said that, they have played their tail off in all these games. I and, and they lost two uh, in overtime. Two they lost in overtime. They lost. They lost to the Caps in overtime, and they lost to Tampa Bay in overtime. Yes. Um, they lost to Montreal, I think, in regulation. Matter of fact, I think Montreal is probably the probably the worst of the games they played. Yeah, that was a tough one. Um, I think. A lot of the guys got caught up in the uh, the personalities. I mean, obviously Lemieux famously went after uh, uh, what's his name, Max, Max, Max Domi. Domi. Max Domi. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. That was funny. That was and funny. honestly, Domi and um, Drewen and D'Angelo had their own little weird thing going on during the game too. So they they played the the Habs game. This is what the Habs have done all year. They're not interested in playing hockey. They're trying to get in your head. And the Rangers right now have a team that is susceptible to that. They just do. Um, I don't know if that's the type of team that David Quinn's grooming, but that's been Montreal's strategy with every team they've played all year, is we're going to get in your head, we're going to pester you. All those guys are little. They're not fighting anybody. They're not squaring up with anybody. They're all little dudes who are pests. That's all of them. Shaw, Drewen. Uh, Domi, all those guys are just pests. And they're getting your head. And Brendan Gallagher, another one. And the Rangers let it happen. And that's not something that got to the Rangers in the past, which is why the Rangers probably have had more success against the Habs in the past, because the Rangers were almost immune to that kind of stuff during the AV era. But now they're a little bit more fiery. They're a little bit more likely to indulge that kind of thing. And well, I also, did, I and also think lost. that... Yeah, and I also think the team that Quinn is trying to build, whether you see like you see D'Angelo and Lemieux and a couple other guys, and you know, um, 
they're he's trying to build a team that has a little bit of snarl to them. You know what I mean? Like a little bit of like yeah. a little edge, a little edge. I have no problem. Where, where the, and I have no problem with that whatsoever. Like if if you can get if if you got guys like D'Angelo and Lemieux who have a little you know a little grit to their game, a little little snarl. You know, like they're not they're they're a little bit of a pest sometimes. You know, but they also like D'Angelo will do wild things and 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 make plays. And Lemieux could crash the net, draw penalties, and maybe put the puck in once in a while. Then all of a sudden, those pieces become insanely important for for a team. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm I I love those kind of guys um, when they're they're productive as well. Like when they when that's all they do and they can't do very much else and they you know what I mean? Then it's just like then it becomes like a right. where do I then you're Antoine Roussel, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Like <laughs> it's like I I just don't want those guys because then it's like it's great that you do that, but I can't have you be a liability on the ice where you can't produce. Right. And look, all of my favorite players are pests. You know, Gabe Landeskog, uh, Ryan Johansson, Jamie Benn. All of my favorite players are pests in that same way. Sure. But Sean can... Avery was a pest, you know? Exactly. One of the most famous Rangers forwards of all time right. was a pest himself, but he could play. You exactly. Know? And Avery, Avery, was, Avery was the prime example of the guy you want. It's the guy who's going to annoy the other team. And then he's gonna put the puck in the net, and you're just like you're you're mad on two fronts. You're mad that like he's chirping at you, and that he's a little he's a little nasty. But then you're also mad at the fact that like then he goes and scores a goal on you, and you're like, gee, shit, exactly. man. Exactly. And look, that's half the reason I've hated Brendan Gallagher his whole career. The guy is a pest through and through, but he's a damn near seventy point he, player, right? Exactly. <laughs> and then he also put the puck in the net, and you're like, oh man. Right. And, the sa- and, the, and the same thing is true for the Boston Bruins. I mean, like they're the same thing. They're a carbon copy of that. It's like. They're they're annoying to play against, and then they put the puck in the net right after that. And you're just like like you can't you can't let it get to your head because if you do, you're gonna get you're gonna get penalties drawn. And then if that happens, they're gonna they're gonna capitalize on the power play, and then you and then you're behind, you're playing from behind, and that's not good. And then if you don't do that, they're still gonna score on you anyway. So it's just like you almost have to ignore it and just play the hockey game, and that's very hard. But and then and honestly, a lot of teams have a hard, have a problem with that. Right, and. You know the Rangers are a team. Toronto, that Toronto's right now, a great example. Toronto always does that. Toronto gets lets teams get in their head all the time. Yeah, and then they can't adjust to it. You know, yes. You, the thing about those teams, and the Rangers are going to learn this because they're going to play a lot of those teams in the future, um, especially if they're facing off against the Atlantic because half of that division's like that. But if a team is playing you like that, especially like the Habs, you can't indulge them. You can't. You cannot play their game. They will win that game 100% of the time. The same thing with Nashville. You cannot indulge that team when they do that to you because if you let them get in your head and you let them take your mind off the game, you're going to lose. I said on Twitter that that Montreal game was the worst game I've seen Tony D'Angelo play in a while. And it's not that he was bad. It's just he didn't accomplish anything the entire game. He... He got a few outlet passes off. That's about all he did. Um, but he was off his game. They were in his head the entire fucking time. And we know that Tony D'Angelo is susceptible to that. We know that. But uh, Domi and Druen and all those guys, they got in his head. And he couldn't get them out. And it's the same thing with Lemieux. They got in it. He got in there. Or they got in his head. He played their game. But there's more of them than there are him. There's one Brendan Lemieux on this team. There's like four Brendan Lemieux on the other team. So if if you're going to play against those guys and you're going to be outnumbered like that, you can't indulge them. You just yep. can't. Yeah, I, I agree. But to, to, to get back to what we were talking about the, the game, so Rangers played well 
all three, all all, uh, all four games, except for maybe, well, I'd say three out of the four. They didn't get any points. But man, like I, what I'm noticing about this team is that I kind of feel like um, they're starting to embrace David Quinn. Like this is becoming the David Quinn team and people are buying in. Uh, you look at Pavel Buchnevich, you look at Philip Hito, you look at Tony D'Angelo, right? Guys who have been benched, and after they get benched, they come back and they look different. This is a different Pavel Buchnevich than I've, than I've seen. And I don't mean that from an offensive production standpoint. I just mean from the way he's playing. Way more engaged. Um, you know, I, I actually like, I like him playing with Lemieux. They play well together. You know, Lemieux stands up for him, and then Pavel, like, will... We'll, will do the same and it's like they it's almost like that's that, it's really good for Pavel Buchnevich because he's got he's got some good hands and I think you can add a little bit of a, a of a you know a little more fight to his game and all of a sudden he looks like a different player so so Lemieux's been a really good influence on Pavel Buchnevich even for this very short period of time um so he Pavel Buchnevich celebrated a goal the, the other yeah day. I mean like he's just like it's almost like it's almost like he's enjoying hockey now now that he's got a teammate that's gonna back him up so it's 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 nice um and like I said so I think I've seen a different Pavel from the benching I've seen a different Philip Heedle since the benching um and we've definitely seen a different D'Angelo since the benching and to piggyback on the on the the Philip Heedle thing there was a comment that he made um and um on that he talked about how he's been tired um, and he's never played this much. And this is this is this is a fact, guys. So when you see sometimes now these last you know few weeks of hockey where maybe Hito doesn't look the way he is, you guys got to realize he's past his threshold of how much hockey he's playing. This is the most hockey he's ever played. Like, and what happens a lot on athletes is when your when your body gets tired, your mind kind of fades too. You know, so they kind of go hand in hand. So you're going to make mental lapses because you're just you're you're tired everywhere. This is this is it's a conditioning issue. He's never played this much hockey, guys. Like, yeah, I got to get used to it. He's a young kid; has never played this much hockey, so he's definitely going to have some some games now where he doesn't look, you know, good. And he definitely hit a wall. He was really good early on in the season. I mean, you know, for half the season was really good, and then kind of hit a wall. And guess what? That happens with young kids. So you know, Quinn benched him, and he talked about how tired he was, and he came back and he looks good. Fine, D'Angelo. You know, he got benched, came back, looks fantastic. So. Maybe there's some maybe maybe there's some like method to this madness of the Quinn bin, so to speak, where he's just like throwing he's like basically benching people and you know that kind of stuff. So there's a method to this madness, and I'm buying in. I like David Quinn. I, I I like him. It was weird. Like early in the year, I was like, I like him. He's okay. And then I got to the point where I'm like, yeah, all these weird benchings, and I, I don't know. And then now I'm starting to see the full picture at the end of the year, where the guys he's benching, it's not about anything other than complete effort. And if they half-assed at all he's not happy with that and it's almost like fine and he's holding some people accountable and they're coming back and they're understanding what's going on and they're they're engaged and this team as a whole is buying into it. They, they're fighting every day now they're not as good as as a lot of these teams but you're you, you push tampa bay to the brink you push washington to the brink guess what your effort is outstanding and something has to be said for that so i think as this rebuild goes that's going to be an important factor is that Quinn is starting to build his type of brand of hockey, which is no, no quit hockey. And that's what he wants. And I, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm for it too. For it. Uh, I, I've said all year, these guys, I, I've yet to watch a Rangers game this year where I didn't feel like the guys were trying, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they've been going for it all year. I, I think that 
Quinn got these guys to believe that they had a chance this year. Um, I think the only issue I can have here is, is this going to be like a Jim Harbaugh situation where it wears on them? Is this going to be like a John Tortorella situation where that message starts to wear thin, especially if they're not winning? Um, that's the issue with that kind of thing. You can make them go balls to the wall all you want, but eventually you have to start winning. And the Rangers currently have a coach who is getting the most out of his guys, and he's getting them to compete every night. But then we have an organization that's sweeping the carpet from under them every chance that they get. So those two things can't happen at the same time. Something has to give. Either the organization have to, has to change directions and say, we're going to start to win now, or David Quinn's message is eventually going to wear thin on these guys, and they're going to go, why am I going to keep busting my ass if every night we go out here and instead of losing by three goals, we lose by one? Like A loss is a loss. Whether I lose by five goals or I lose by one in the last minute of the game, I still lost. So eventually, I think the Rangers are going to have to start putting some talent on this team and stop stripping the talent from the team in order for David Quinn's message to become permanent. Because if yeah, that I doesn't agree. happen, I, I think, it's going to wear thin. And I think if I remember correctly, I think Gorton said something after the trade deadline, how he thinks that this is the like the bare bones of the team and how he's looking to accelerate the rebuild, if I remember correctly. I think I remember hearing those words, accelerate the rebuild. So me hearing that thinks that he thinks he looks at um, some of the pieces he has in these kids and thinks that this is a good core and he could start adding to it. Now, it, the core might be a, a few a year or two away, but I think he thinks that talent wise, he's got what he wants. Right. I, I, now, it remains to be seen. Now, let's just say Kravstov comes comes over this year, next year, whatever, and lights the world on fire. And let's say they get a really top pick this year and 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 that guy becomes an impact player that's playing right now and then these defensemen you got your you know um keandre miller nils lundquist and you know joey keen who they just signed to an elc let's say those three guys come over and they're they're productive well guess what now all of a sudden this team is a lot different a lot faster so there's something to be said for that so i it now it's a risk because if if none of those pan out you're really making deep water but if even most of them pan out, you're in you're in good shape. If between Kravstov and whoever they draft this year, and Anderson and Heedle and all the all the young defensemen they drafted, if half of them, or even a little bit more than half of them, turn out to be really really solid pro NHLers, you are way ahead of the curve. So, we'll, we'll, we shall see. And I, I like what I see from 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 Heedle. Um, I think Anderson. Um, there's a little bit of question mark about what, what, what we're gonna what what's his game gonna be like down the road, but I still think he's gonna be a productive NHLer. Um, Kravtsov, I think he's gonna be a top six player. So there's that. And out of the defensemen they drafted, I think they're all gonna be very good defensemen. Maybe not top pair guys, except for maybe Miller has that upside, but that's okay. I mean, and and, and so yeah, finding that 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 elite defenseman is probably the one thing they probably still have not found yet. Uh, aside from maybe that second line center behind Zibanejad, I think those and I mean, you, you, we can argue they traded away with Hayes, but maybe they didn't see Hayes as the as, as the the true second line center on this team. I don't know. Um, so I think there's some pieces here where I think I think Quinn is getting the energy and, 
and the direction of the team, and Gorton's starting to see the players buy, buy in. And he might think he's got that opportunity where maybe, okay, let me go get Panarin now this summer. Let me make a tr- let me make a splash. Let me go offer sheet, you know, Mitch Marner or, you know, or Braden Point. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Right. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, these are not. I mean, we'll see. We'll we see. don't know. I mean, like, I know we talk about offer sheeting a bunch on this show, but don't get it twisted. It's going to happen one day. Somebody's going to offer sheet <laughs> something. It's not going to. If you think that this is going to go, if you think that this, like, this like wild west where everyone's just kind of staring at like you know like a you know like a um you know like this is like the okay corral and we're all just watching each other from far away and we're, we're having that that stare down of who's going to draw first no no someone's going to draw i just don't know who and where and yeah. what play that's going to be but it's going to happen well here's point. the thing about offer sheeting is by virtue of offer sheeting's existence that means it's going to happen but we don't know when, and you know, like you said, me and you talk about this almost every year on this show. Um, offer sheeting is like when the economists predict the financial bubble's going to collapse or whatever the fuck, and they do it every year. Like every month of every year, they go, oh, God, it's going to, this is it. It's coming down. They've been doing that every year since like 2010. Eventually, right. you're going to be right, and it's the same thing with this show. We're going to keep saying it, and one day we're going to be right, God damn it. So hopefully this year is the year that we get to see somebody get offer sheeted. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Mitch Marner is going to be that guy. I also don't know how Toronto signs him back and keeps Nylander. I, I kind of want to see can. them try. Yeah, I don't think they can. As a matter of fact, I, I, I argue this a bunch on our show is that I think one of um, Marner or Nylander has to be moved if you de- if you want to build a defense. Just has to. Yeah, they have if to because it's not going to happen organically through the organization. They they no. just don't have the prospects for it. So no, they have they have one good defensive prospect, and I know even there they've kind of soured on him a little bit. So right, and it's like, um, is he even going to be as good as Morgan Riley? We don't know. So I, I don't think so. Yeah, so I mean that's a bit of an issue for them. Um, but all right, let's uh let's whip it around the league real quick. Um, all right, so let's do a little exercise with the playoffs coming into focus. I'm going to name a team. You tell me if they're contenders or pretenders. Um, side note, you can only name three contenders, okay? Okay. All right. So Boston Bruins, contenders or pretenders? You mean well, to make the playoffs or to win, to win the To win it all. Pretenders. Pretenders. Ooh, that's I, – I would say that about most of these Atlantic teams. No, I'm, I'm saying that with full confidence, the pretenders. Wow. Do you think yeah. they're going to beat Toronto? Because that's inevitable. No. That's that's going to no. happen. They, no. You don't think they're going to beat Toronto? I'm going to take no. them to beat Toronto, to be 100% no. honest with you. No, no, no. This is a different Toronto team. They're better. Okay. All right. Um, Winnipeg Jets, contenders or pretenders? Contenders. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Calgary Flames, pretenders or contenders? Pretenders. Yeah, I feel the same way. Vegas Golden Knights. Pretenders. Pretenders. <laughs> You're never going to give them credit, are you? Shh. <laughs> um, San Jose Sharks. Contenders. Pretenders. Pretenders. <laughs> it took him a minute for that one. Because really? it, you don't believe in those guys? You know what it, we know what it is. I just I think the West is too strong. It is. Those guys are gonna kill each other out there. It's I just yeah. Great. I I just I I just um if they were in if they were uh, if they were in the East, I'd say they'd probably make the the finals with Tampa Bay. Yeah. 
but man, that that West is just is just stacked. It really is. Like there's just there's there's like five teams that could win it all in the in 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 the Western Conference. In my opinion, there's only two teams in the East that could win it all. My opinion, it's only one, and that's Tampa. <laughs> yeah, okay. And you're, you're not going to give me that as a as a as a question. No, that would have been too easy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, uh, who, else, who else we got? Last one: Toronto Maple Leafs contenders, pretenders, contenders. All right, you think a lot more. I just that, that I'm I'm higher line, I'm higher on I'm higher on Toronto than I am on San Jose. Mm, because really? the path the the path that's why. Okay. But I mean the path I, I just, for Toronto is impossible. They got to beat Boston and Tampa more than likely. But I think I think they could beat Boston, so I'm not I'm not concerned with that. I'm I'm concerned with beating Tampa, but I think if they beat Tampa then the road is theirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that yeah. whereas in the West, San Jose's got to go through like three rounds of like just tough. Yeah, they got to That's a lot. That's a lot as of it stands right now, they'd have to beat Vegas, which I'm not 100% confident that they'll do. Me neither. Actually, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. With uh, Mark Stone over there, I'm just like, I don't I don't know, bro. No, I mean, the Vegas team is a better team. Now, do I think that they're as good as, you know, Winnipeg or Nashville? No. Or even, you know, I mean, but St. Louis is, a, St. Louis is another one. We should, we, should, we, should have, we should have talked about that. Yeah, I wasn't. I figured you were going to say pretenders, but they're, yeah, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to, of course they are. They're one of the best in the league in terms of point production. Um, I, I, not sold on the goaltending yet. No, I don't. me neither. <laughs> I won't be. I'm not going to be sold on the goaltending until they lift the cup. Like if they win the cup and their yeah. goalie knocks it out, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, they had good goalies, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the, the only the only two teams in the West I really feel like I can count on their goalie is Winnipeg and Nashville. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, can you think of another team out there? Uh, do you do you trust San Jose's goaltending? No. Not even me a neither. little bit. Exactly. Me neither. So that's a big issue. Um, do you trust St. Louis's goaltending? No. Uh, no. 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 I not mean, at all. No matter how he's, no matter how he's played, you know, as a rookie, no. Maybe, maybe Dallas. Maybe Dallas. I, I think I trust uh, Dallas's no, defense trust, more than I trust. Do you trust Ben? I, I, uh, I don't know, man. I've also seen Ben Bishop get destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Oh, I mean that, but but that's my point. Is that you know? Yeah. 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 I yeah. see what you're saying. I definitely see what you're saying. Colorado. No. Exactly. <laughs> I mean that's what I'm saying. Like you're starting Calgary. No. No. Exactly. I I watched him give up one of the softest goals to Tyler Ennis. He gifted Tyler Ennis a hat trick the other night. He might as well have just wrote him a postcard and like signed it. Like, <laughs> that's what i'm saying i mean i don't really trust matter of fact i trust the goaltending in the east more than the west yeah yeah for sure absolutely you know um i mean i, mean, I, trust, I frederick trust frederick anderson Kate. might win the vezina for toronto he might just win it um if he doesn't then vasilevsky will and even boston has good goaltending so right and then brayton and so, Holby. and so does montreal yeah Montreal, of so, course, has carried Price. I, the How goal many in the, the goaltending in the East is a lot better than goaltending in the West. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with pound for pound. with uh, L.A. and Anaheim out of the picture, absolutely, absolutely. Exactly. Now, if they're in the picture, it's a different story. But for what for where these teams are, yeah, the East is much better goaltending. Yeah, so I just don't trust the goaltending in the West. So it, that's why I just I mean, to me, it's Winnipeg and Nashville, and you know. Everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Who's your dark horse in the West? Vegas. 
I'm I'm converted. I'm converted. I I can't stop. I can't. I can't oppose them anymore. <laughs> I can't do. It. They've converted me. Um, Are you sure it's not just like some Vegas magic that's going on? Going on? Probably. I don't know what's going on over there. I still don't really understand it. Um, I just know that they play a way. They play in a way that nobody else plays. That's all I could say. Like it is that's positionless right. hockey over there, and as long as it works for them, the sky's the limit. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Speaking, really of, speaking don't. of speaking of position positionless positionless hockey, can we talk about um? <laughs> we talk about Brendan Smith for a quick second. <laughs> God, <yes. laughs> who's a who's a converted forward now at this point? <laughs> I know it's back point. to Ranger hockey, but this is a Ranger podcast. Ooh. But I mean, can we can we say that maybe the Rangers like struck some gold here and like got some value now? I, they salvaged something, I suppose. I think you could flip them now. It's like if you had a burnt creme brulee, like you could dig deep enough and you'll get a little bit of good cream in there. But you still have a burnt creme brulee. And that's the way I look at Brendan Smith. He's still a burnt creme brulee, but there's a little something in there. But Uh, here's what I'll say. (laughs) Giving him, like watching him stick handle gives me indigestion. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) It gives me indigestion. It's fucking terrible. (laughs) <laughs> like gives you like gives you like odds. Ah, like, ah, I swear to God, <laughs> my stomach starts to bubble. I have to turn away from the TV. My girl has to like pet me on the back. Like, oh, it'll be okay. Like, it's bad, dude. Uh, uh, hyperventilating, huh? <laughs> don't, do, don't do that. That does not look good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. But I'm but not gonna he's lie. Been, but he's been a productive forward. So. He is. Yes, he, he skates he's in a straight better. line. He's been better at being forward <laughs> than a defenseman. <laughs> they were just like, yo, dude, just skate in a straight line, my G. Like, don't worry about the rest. It all handles itself. Just skate. Could you imagine how that conversation went? Let's try Brendan forward at the moving from defense to to a forward. He's like, what? Why? And he's like, I don't know. Let's just try it. Like, fuck, fuck it. This season's lost anyways. Why not? He has look at bed. Just run with it. Okay. Can you imagine? David Quinn's like, we've come to the realization that you don't know how to skate backwards. I feel like we should have seen this earlier, but we just now noticed that maybe you should play wing. Maybe you should play wing. That'll be better. I don't know. Either way, it's working out for him as a fourth-line winger, I guess. Let, let's check out this hot take from Evolving Wild. Um, <laughs> oh, I like those guys, by the way. I know. These guys are uh, usually reliable for uh, decent takes here, but this is a good one. All right, so the conversation starts with them saying, has a rookie ever won the Selkie? Which I feel fairly confident saying no. Um, He continues, uh, because Jesperi Kotkaniemi of the Montreal Canadiens should be the front runner in our opinion, and he's only 18 years old. That's That's not bad. Right. I mean, obviously, if you're just looking at straight up stats and, you know, whatever model that he uses or that Evolving Wild use, because I know that they do complicated (laughs) things that I don't quite understand, um, then I'm sure you can make the case. My issue is that Kakaniemi is basically a third line forward who plays against other third line forwards. 
And I don't know if I'm going to give you the best defensive forward in the league trophy if you're never defending the league's best players. So I was wondering, and he also says that uh, his top three would be Kakaniemi, Marcus Foligno, who is the fourth liner for the Minnesota Wild, and Alex Kerfoot, who is the uh, third liner for the Colorado Avalanche. I, I like I like the Kerfoot one. I like that a lot, actually. So would you take any of these guys over, say, John Tavares or Ryan O'Reilly? Is my question for the Selkie. Um, Over Tavares, I would, yeah. Because my number think, one's I, O'Reilly, so I, uh, I'm not taking. Ro- Ro- Ryan O'Reilly's not a bad one. Um, Ryan O'Reilly's not a bad one. Um, I think he makes a good argument for for Kakiemi. I yeah. have, I would have no problem if Kakiemi won the award. No problem, because I think he's been he's been very good on on both sides of the ice. Right. I I mean, look this this Canadians team is not where they are if. He's not doing what he's doing. So exactly, exactly. Me, he deserves a good bit of credit for the for his team's success there. Um, I I, I respect the opinion. I, I definitely did not see this take coming. Uh, <laughs> I remember sitting in my car yesterday and I saw it coming down my timeline. I was like, Whew, I think I think sometimes when we talk one. about the Selkie Trophy too, I think we get caught up in like the big point producers and them being you know okay defensively. Yeah, I mean. That's you know what I mean. It's kind Whereas of like the sometimes Norris. we go like, who's the guy who who's the who's the the point producer who is really good defensively, and then so sometimes we have to look at it that side. So Ryan O'Reilly's not a bad one, actually. I actually like that one, right? But I, I don't. I, I, Tavares, Tavares, I couldn't give you because Tavares is really good offensively, and his defensive game, his offense, his his defensive game is not bad, but it's not. It's okay. I'll tell you know what. I'll give you. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a range who actually probably is not a bad pick. Who is that? Mika Sabanajad. Dude, he is a lot better defensively than 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 people think. He is really good defensively. He, he now I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying he's think, but is he up there with those guys? Uh, I don't know. About I no, I, I don't. But my point is, is he's you can chat about him in the conversation, and he's not a far fetched thought. So meaning he's a lot better defensively than a lot of other forwards. Mm. Oh well, yeah. I mean, he's he's above average. If that's what you're saying, way, sure. way, I think he's way above average. That's my point. I think he's way above average in terms of what he what he does defensively. There are plenty of games I've watched this year where he has shut down top line centers. Okay, I mean it's reasonable. Of, I, I would say he's above average. Plenty, plenty of games where I watch him just shut down top, you know, top top guys, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, you could yep. argue he did it yesterday against the. Uh... The stars. Yeah, so. against the stars. Exactly. Like that's the thing. Like yesterday, you know, he didn't have any points, but guess what? Like he certainly shut down, you know, Dallas's top line. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no problem saying that for sure. Um I I think if I had a a top three, it would probably be Tavares, Stone, and uh O'Reilly with O'Reilly winning. Stone Stone is another good one. I like Stone. Yeah. That's I think one. Stone probably should win. I, he, if he won, I'd be more than happy for him. But it's just he's a winger, and you know wingers never win selkies. So. No, it's always, it's always centers. Yeah, it's always centers. So, but if there was ever a winger that should have gotten it, it would probably be Mark Stone this year. Yeah, uh, Ryan Ryan O'Reilly's not a bad one. I, I actually kind of I would be I'd be cool with that. I think that's a good one this year, especially this year. Right. Um, that's a good one. 
So if, if, do, if you, whatever reason, do you take you into want? account the competition that they go up against? Or are you just like, I'll take, like, just because, you know, I'll take Kakaniemi because he's just doing what he's being asked to do. Like, he doesn't get to choose who he plays against, you know? Yeah, and that's, and that's not his fault. Right, exactly. Like, it's not his fault. He doesn't really get to choose. Right. Uh, um, it's a it's a, it's it's an interesting question because I think I think quality of opponent can can play a factor, but consistency and 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 having your numbers just be the 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 um, I guess like the um, telltale of it. Yeah, I mean sometimes you can't ignore those things either. So, um, it's it's an interesting debate. Yeah. I have no problem. It's an interesting debate. Like I have no, if 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 Kakiyami won the um the Selkie, I would have no problem with it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say, oh well, that makes no sense. I'd say, oh, okay, I, I I could buy it because he's been really good defensively. So I have no I have no problem with that. Um, if he doesn't win it, eh, that's okay too. Okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be on board with it, but mm, I also don't care I've, that I've much about the Selkie I've, to ring, raise a whole lot whole lot of hell. Yeah, and it, I, and so. I've also seen I've also seen some like like blazing or hot takes where I'm just like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> so like, this is not, this is, this is maybe like mildly controversial, but it's not like it's out of like left field. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it wasn't crazy, but it was something that I saw and I was like, Hmm, didn't think I'd see that today. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting take. And I, and I kind of like the approach of, you know, maybe we need to start looking at um, some of these other players that, you know, um, like whenever we think of a Selkie, a lot of us look at okay, who's the bet, who's the top point producers in the league, and then we think, okay, how are they defensively? If they're average, they're probably going to win the Selkie. Right. Yeah. Whereas maybe we need to rethink the process of like, no, who's the best defensive forward who's producing? Yeah, I I agree because uh, I mean, evolving wild. Who I'm assuming are wild fans. I'm just going to assume that. But <laughs> they they just basically did a throwback and said, uh, you know, Miko Koivu should have probably won it a couple of years ago, too. And yes, yeah, he I should have that. won it a couple of years ago. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, all right. So last thing of the day, a uh, little conversation came up from the Leafs Twitter portion. Um, Toronto is going to get shafted again. It's going to happen. They're going to play uh, Boston, and it, let's face it, it's very possible they lose that series. If they lose that series, does the NHL go to a basic 1-8 through eight playoff format? Do you think that this is the straw that breaks the camel's back if Toronto gets shafted two years in a row? No. Still? No. If this doesn't do it, what will? What will? Because I, because I, I, think, I think the NHL, they... They think they're they think that they're um, they're bigger than what they not bigger. I think that they're I think they think that they're smarter than they are. Oh yeah, without you a doubt, they think they're smarter. And it's just like I don't understand. I don't understand that. Um, I, I don't. I don't think any loss of a team losing in a because they'll justify it like, oh well, it was great, exciting hockey for a first round. They'll justify it somehow. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, that's how they did it last year. They justified right, it that it, way. Exactly. So they're gonna justify it in some sense. I think it's stupid. I think you just need to say, okay, who is the best team at the eight teams that make the playoffs? Who's the best? Who's the worst? And just you know, and, and rank them in that order, and then let them play each other in a snake order. That's uh, that's how it should be. I've thought about this for the last twenty four hours, almost nonstop, and I think that, like you said, 
they're going to justify if it's a great series. If it goes seven games like it did last year, they're going to be like, oh, well, you're welcome. We gave you a first round, you know, Bruins Leafs series. But I think if Toronto loses this series in five games, I think this shit gets fucking torn down. I think the Toronto fan base will tear this shit down because it's not fair to them. The same way it wasn't fair to them last year that they had to play Boston the first round. And it wasn't fair to Columbus the year before that when they had to play Pittsburgh in the first round. It, it's not fair. You know, the, the third best team in the league is going to have to play the second best team in the league in the first round. Yeah, I agree with that. And we're guaranteeing that one of these teams is not going to get through. Yet, on the other side of that bracket, we're guaranteeing that one of the, you know, Hurricanes or the uh, Washington Capitals, who currently <laughs> have less than 80 points right now, will get through to the second round. Guaranteed. And right. here's the worst part about the Toronto thing, is that Toronto could finish with the third best record in the league and not play a single playoff series where they have home ice advantage the entire time in the playoffs. Because yeah, that's crazy. That's insanity, because they would be on the road in the first round against Boston. They'd be on the road against Tampa. And then if they end up playing the division winner from the Metro, then the Metro would be the home team in that division regardless of how many points were scored between the two teams. So, and then, of course, the Stanley Cup final where they would have to have more points than whomever, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is uh, this is an issue. Like, this is really an issue because what's the point of the regular season now? Other than to just squeak into the playoffs, what's the point? Yeah, because your playoff format doesn't ensure that you're going to have matchups in, in the in the the finals that are the two best teams or the two best teams that in, in theory i should say and it doesn't like ensure be, that teams a... with better records or better point totals have an easier path the whole point of piling up these points is to have an easier path correct uh, correct that's exactly it is that if you if you dominate the regular season your reward in the playoffs is a more paved path where each each team you're you're playing gets progressively better Right, exactly. That's that's the point of it. That's the point of a, a regular season, and the reward, or the 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 reward, not the reward, but like the tough part about being at the bottom about barely squeaking in is you prove that you're at the bottom end of that total. Now you got to go the reverse route. You got to get the best team to the next best team to the you know. Right, you're you're facing powerhouses the whole way, or at least that should be the way that it is. That you're exactly. you should be right, right off the gate. You're facing you're way. facing powerhouses. You don't get you don't get any gimmies. Right, like the, I mean, this is just frustrating. And I'm not a Leafs fan. Obviously, we run a Rangers a Rangers uh, podcast, so we're not Leafs fans here. But it's frustrating because it's yet another attempt by the NHL to manufacture parity in a league where I'm not sure that it's necessary. Like I think that there's enough parity in this league. There's a lot of talent dispersed between all these teams. You don't have to manufacture parity at this team. Oh, I think I think there's more parity in the NHL than there is in any other sport right now. Right, and I'm not saying that in reference there's to standings. There's more parity in the just, NHL than there is in the NFL. Yeah, there is. I mean, if you just focus on the amount of talent dispersed throughout the league, there's a lot of parity. There's a lot of parity. Yeah. I don't think that there's a huge difference between, say, the Kings and the 
the Wild. You know what I'm saying? Even though the Wild are probably going to make the playoffs, I don't think that there's a huge difference talent-wise. I mean, they still have Kopitar. They still have Dowdy. They still have Jonathan Quick. They still have a lot of really good players over there. And the Wild have a lot of good players, too. You know, you have Ryan Suter and then Devin Dobnik and all those guys over there. So, right, like, every team has good players. <laughs> this isn't the NBA where you have a team like the Suns who have no good players. I'll do you one better. The, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who two years ago won a cup, are fighting for a playoff spot. Right. They're clawing right now. Like, yeah, exactly. You know? So, yeah. I, or, I don't or, think you have to manufacture got, like, I mean, you, you look at the, um, you know, you look at the, um, the Devils. They were in the playoffs last year, and they're the bottom end of the barrel. Philly, who we all, me and you both thought were going to win the division. And, yeah, I mean, maybe they squeak in the playoffs. Maybe. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. That's like a long shot at this point. But you can tell it took a step back. And why is that? They got off to a slow start, and they can never recover. And there's too much parity in the league to get off to a slow start. Yeah. I mean, any given night, it's like the NFL. Any given night, anybody could lose to anybody. You know? Yes, yeah. exactly. I, I completely agree with that. Go look at Tam- the Tam- Tampa Bay Lightning got pushed to overtime by the New York Rangers, who is a shell of themselves. Yeah. Uh, look, a month ago, the Senators beat the Jets two times in a week. <laughs> they won both games. I mean, we, nobody talked about it, but the Senators beat. Oh, the I, mean, I didn't even. I didn't even know that. So there you go. Yeah, yeah that was a month ago. So I mean, it's possible. <laughs> you know, it, it's not like the NBA. I don't care how many times the Suns play Golden State, they will never win that game, ever. Yep. <laughs> and we we need we just need to change this format. I don't know what's going to be the, the the straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak, for this. Um, but something has to give at some point. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I I really think this year could be it. I really do. All right, so guys. Me, I, I do have a question for you. So what? Um, so who are the bubble teams that are going to get in, you think? I think, honestly, almost everyone who currently holds a playoff spot, I would probably pick to hold on to those playoff spots. Um, so which ones can be challenged? Which ones what? Which ones can be challenged? Uh, I think Montreal could miss the playoffs as wonderful of a year as they've had. And this is a team that I thought was going to be the worst team in the league. You did say that. You did say that. So that's looking, that's looking real toasty for you. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's out of the window. (laughs) I also really underestimated how bad Ottawa was, which is incredible because I really thought Ottawa would be terrible, but that's not the point. Um, yeah, I think Montreal could miss, um, Philly's going to keep surging. Columbus, I would hate to see Columbus miss the playoffs. So I don't think they. Will. I don't think they will. Me neither. I. I just. And Carolina's another team. I don't know if they hold on. I think this is going to be another year where they find themselves a point or two out of the playoffs, which is going to suck for them. But it is what it is. Um, in the West, I think everything's going to stay the way it is in the rest. Um, I think Minnesota and Dallas are going to hang on to those wild card spots. I don't think you don't see Colorado creeping in, do you? No, I don't think they got enough in the tank. Um, <laughs> they, 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 they're going to have two lottery picks, one being theirs and one being Ottawa. <laughs> what if? What if they had two top three picks? Is is that possible? Like, with the it's, league no, allowed? I mean, like, mathematically, it can happen. <laughs> in, in theory... Mathematically speaking, they can totally get Hughes and Kako one, two in this draft. Do you think at some point during the season they said, you know what, maybe we're better served to miss the playoffs? 
<laughs> no, nah, I don't think so. I think they're playing with house money because they have Ottawa's pick. That is and, true. They you know, and I think they're, 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 they're totally saying, you know what, we can go for broke and really push this. And worst case scenario, we still got Ottawa's pick. And if we don't make the playoff, well, guess what? We have two picks and we have two locks now. And we're way ahead of the curve because we've got a shit ton of talent here and we can possibly get two, two, two like, you know, lottery picks here. I mean, you want to talk about a franchise heading in the right direction. Just go look. Just go look to Colorado. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and look, and, they and, got lucky. And, they got really and if, lucky. And if the and if the and if the pink pom balls bounce the right way for them, they get like just for stroke of pure crazy luck, they actually get picks one and two. I mean, you want to talk about a team that's been gifted a franchise at this point? Hey, that's not th- that. That would almost be not fair. Look, you think about it that way, but think about it another way. The Colorado Avalanche were supposed to have the number one pick a couple years ago when Nico Heischer and uh, Nolan Patrick got picked one and two. But who did they Devils, draft? Who did they draft? That was that. Who did they draft? I think that I think that was the Rantanen draft. I think that was the, right. Okay. Well, they still did well there. They still did well, but they kind of got shafted for that number one pick because I'm pretty sure at the time they were the worst team in NHL history. Well, would you would you say would you say would you say he's the best pick after after um, Heischer? I think he's better than both of them. I, well, to be there 100% you go. So does it even does it does it even matter? They got the. They, it turned out they to got not like matter. probably the, the. Yeah, they probably got. I would say like if you're looking at that draft, it's at, at least right now it's it's him and and he share the two best talent talents in that dra- in that draft class. Yeah, I mean if you're doing a redraft with the knowledge that you have now, I'm taking Ranton at number one. Be a hundred percent honest with you. Like I think he's well, better even, than both of those. So guys. either way, I'm saying point is they're getting a top talent. Yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. Like exactly, exactly. You know, they didn't they didn't get shafted that bad. They <laughs> not at all, not so like they get him and then they get like a user, a cackle, or God forbid both. I mean, like, hey, that's not fair. And then you got all the kids they already have. You know, then you throw in yeah, what they. It's uh, gonna. They, they're gonna they, be they stacked. McKinnon and, and and everything else, and that's not fair. Yeah, they're gonna be stacked, bro. They're yeah. gonna be stacked, but but yeah, yeah so, I don't so see I don't them think... making it this year. Um, okay. I Minnesota's playing too well right now. Dallas, I think, is gonna hang on. So in St. Louis, okay. I think they'll hang on too. So okay, all right. I think here here here's I think here's one team I could see the bottom falling out on at some point is the Islanders. I, they would have – well, I guess they don't have that far to go. They don't. That's that. And I just – They're only really four points up on the wild card, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to realize, like, you know, three, four bad games, and they're, they've lost first place. Cetera, I could see it. I, I agree. I could see that. I, I could see that, and I could see Pittsburgh – you're still waiting for Pittsburgh to catch fire. Like, you know it's going to happen. You know that they're going to rip off, like, seven or eight wins in a row. How funny would it be if they sneak in as the eight, as like the the, the second wild card, and then just run the table? <laughs> sneak in second wild card, beat Tampa in the first round, beat the Islanders in the next, <laughs> like yeah, and then and then win the cup or something. At that, at that point, I'm just gonna like throw my hands in the air, big. I'm done with this franchise. I'll tell you what, if that happens, that's better than when LeBron won the championship in 2016. Like you know when he went to Golden State and he won that first one. For for Cleveland, I think it's better than that. No, I don't think it's better than that. That's that insane. They would be no. the best team in like the hockey in like the league's history. I, I get that, but that LeBron thing was pretty crazy. It was crazy. That, that was pretty that was crazy. fucking that was awesome. Pretty awesome. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Um, I don't know, man. I think 
I could see the, 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 the bottom falling out on the Islanders um, personally. I also think that I, I, I'm not, I'm not really sold on, on the Islanders. Like I said, I do think Columbus is going to make the playoffs. Um, what I about Pittsburgh, Philly? I what are you, what are you willing to bet on Philly? 72 points. There's seven points out. We got about 15 games left. I'm feeling a miracle. Um, uh, I'll say this. Um, if we were we're putting some cash on this, man, that's a long shot of a buy. I'm, I'm probably getting really good odds. It's not a bad – like if you're going to put money on a team making the playoffs, I bet you their odds are horrendous right now. Oh, yeah, they're bad. I mean they're probably somewhere around the same odds as like Florida, you know. So. Right, right. But that, but I would put money on them before I put money on a lot of other teams in the East to make the playoffs because I think they have the talent that they just need to run a hot streak. Now they got they got some they got, they have an uphill battle because some teams ahead of them have to lose some games. But think of the teams that could bottom out. You know, I mean, I could totally see the Islanders bottoming out. Totally, I can see the Islanders I could see Columbus. Out. I could going see Carolina backwards. bottoming out. Speaking of Carolina, I mean, like we talked earlier in the year. Remember, we were talking about what teams are we think that are going to be good and not good. You were not sold on Carolina. I told you they I'm were going to be good. Still not. <laughs> hey, I told you Carolina was going to be a good team. Told you did. Good. You did say that. I've and trust me, I remember. But <laughs> nah, I still don't see it. But oh, before we go, the storm surge. We we've never talked about the storm surge on this show. Not once. Um, Carolina is 18, 10, and 4 at home. Uh, you you like the storm surges? I mean, I like those jerks, you know? <laughs> I love that shit. I, they are so uniquely corny and fucking awesome. Look, I'm a huge fan of when Vegas was doing that ridiculous shit that they were doing during the playoffs last year. Right. I was a huge fan of that, too. So how could I not like this? How could hey, exa- I not like exactly. this? Because then you be then you would then if, if you if you were like oh this is not good then then you would say wow then I'm really a hypocrite right right come on like I would be a hypocrite but no I really genuinely enjoy the storm surge I'm I'm very glad that we beat them in Carolina so we don't have to see that shit but I I very much like these things and uh, here's what I'm more excited for when other teams start storm surging the hurricanes because it is going to happen. Someone, that's gonna be that's gonna be fine. Oh yeah, they're gonna. And I'll be fine with it. I can't wait for it. But I know that the Hurricanes are gonna go on the road. They're gonna lose to a team like the Capitals, and the Capitals are gonna do a storm surge. No doubt in my mind. <laughs> that would be funny. That would actually be really funny. I can't wait. This is what the league needs. Team, you know, teams don't like this shit. You which know, is, which teams is, don't which like is losing your, to them. What's Carolina. your favorite celebration you've seen by them? The limbo was dope. Uh, just because I just did not know what they were trying to set up there. Uh, uh, okay. I like the baseball. The, yeah, the bat flip was my favorite one. Yeah. Just like, yeah. You just flipped the hockey stick, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah, that I, cool. I, I will say this. I think the Evander Holyfield is uh, – I think they're running out of ideas. I don't know how many home games Carolina has I don't know. They, they, they better hire somebody with a creative mind just to think of some new ideas because they're probably starting to run dry. <laughs> I think so. Like I think they're starting to run dry on ideas, and I'm just taking a quick look at their schedule. It looks like they've got yeah, about yeah. eight more of these games left at home. So even if they win half of them, they got to come up with four more of these things. So we'll see where that goes. 
Yeah, that's going to be tough, man. That's, you know, because you're getting down to the nitty gritty of coming up with ideas now. <laughs> uh, you think they'll do it in the playoffs? If they make the playoffs, you think they'll do it? They, ha- they have to. You have to continue it. <laughs> I think I think you can't. I, I think it's got to be. I think it. they're at this point where they need to embrace this. Oh, yeah. And be this. Everyone like, needs meaning, to embrace like, this. Because the thing is, too, is I think I think once Don Cherry kind of, um, you know, um, once he kind of went on his little like, oh, those bunch of jerks, they're whatever, like that old fart, whatever he was saying. Um, once they kind of went on that little bit of a, you know, once they got that kind of play in the, in the media and they embraced it and they had, were just a bunch of jerks like T-shirts and all of that stuff. And they started embracing that. That was awesome. That was very well played. It's like, yeah, cool. We're a bunch of jerks. Like, whatever you think. We're having fun and we're entertaining our fans. And what do we care? You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, people people have to realize this is entertainment. Yeah. And I'm and I'm sorry, old man, yelling at the cloud. All right, I'm really sorry that you know this isn't the brand of hockey that you grew up in. Like, you know, before the Cold War. Like, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not your brand of hockey. I apologize. Right. But here's my take. Get over it. Get yeah. over it. Like, I say get used to it. I, I want to see more teams do celebrations when they win on their home ice. You you got to make these home ice wins special, you know? Like, yeah. I, I've always been a fan of we must protect this house, you know? Like, this is your house. If, if teams come into this house and challenge you and lose, don't let them forget it. Don't just let them walk out of the building. Like, make a show of it. I, I like it a lot. And... Small tidbit, the Hurricanes have not lost a game on their home ice in a month. Uh, I think they've won about five straight on their home ice. So that's why you've been seeing so much of it, because they haven't been losing. And uh, they got another game against the Jets, I think, in a couple days. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I'm over I like it. You know, keep the... Keep a tradition alive. Keep doing these crazy celebrations, and, and be yourself, and be natural, and don't apologize. Don't apologize to anyone for how you act. Um, you know, I, I think in when we we're in this weird crux of a world where like everyone is so hypersensitive about like what people think, kind of thing. Um, and unfortunately, that's you know it, that goes in both directions. So if we're, I mean, in in, in the reality of like things to be mad at in this in, in in professional sports i'm sorry but i have a lot more anger to throw at other things than me to be mad at you know a bunch of guys celebrating after a win right in whatever I, I in whatever fashion they do. I, I mean like it. i have so many more things to be mad at i'm mad at like you know cheap shots in hockey that like that hurt you know players like I, i'm more mad at that i'm more mad at like the nhl suspension like sometimes it's not as steep as it should be i'm more mad at like you know, um, certain owners that maybe don't want to spend money for their particular franchise and their, their, you know, um, their fan base kind of suffers for it. You know, like I, there are more things to be angry at or the playoff format. I'd be more angry at that. Like, <laughs> there's, for there real. are things like if there are things to direct your anger at in the NHL. Um, but, or, or, you know, or, or how about guys that, you know, do dumb things off the ice and they're still on teams. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, there, there are so many more things, or just professional athletes in general do dumb things like outside their professional sport, and then they kind of still have a job. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a lot more angry at that than I am a guy celebrating after a win. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry if that's the hierarchy. If you, if you feel, if you're, if you need to have this, like, oh, we need to like, like, be very militant in our wins or whatever. I mean, like, 
I'm, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but this is an entertainment thing. Like, there's a reason why, you know, wide receivers will celebrate touchdowns. There's a reason why, you know, baseball players, after a walk-off homer, will, you know, jump on home plate and kind of dance and, and pump their fists. Like, uh, you know, like, there's emotion in games. And if you're going to take the emotion out of the game and you want to be very robotic, it's going to be very boring. Right, and that's the that's the culture that hockey's been stuck in forever, really, um, is this really stuffy culture. And I love what the Hurricanes are doing for two reasons. I think it invites a challenge. I, nobody wants to lose to the Hurricanes in Carolina anymore. And it's not as if this is the Tampa Bay Lightning where they just simply do not lose. For all intents and purposes, looking at the standings, they're a slightly above average team. They're very beatable on their home ice. They're 18, 10, and like two on their home ice. So they, they lose on their home ice. It's not that they're unbeatable. It's not that they're a, a world-beating team rubbing it in teams' faces, which I would also still like. But they're a decent team who is inviting you to beat them on their home ice. They they want the challenge. And none of these teams walking onto their home ice, walking into Carolina, want to lose to them. None of them want to. They A lot of these teams are probably treating these games like damn near the Stanley Cup because I'm not trying to see a storm surge tonight. Fuck that. I want all these clowns to go home mad. <laughs> like, And the other thing I like about it is it's entertaining. Like you said, it's a, it makes you care about Carolina hockey. You know, they're, they've got something good going there. They've got a team that if you watch them play, they look like a dominant team. Yeah. They, they're – they're one of the best skating teams in the league, if not the best skating team in the league. They're confident in that. They should be. And they're and, only going to get better as time goes on. Like, I think they've got the right the right foundation of players. Right. They're, they're, they're a decent team right now. They're better than I thought they were. Let's put it that way. They're yeah, better I know. Than you, I thought you, they you, were. you thought I was crazy. You, I, remember, I remember how you thought that I, – I, I think I remember vividly – before the season started, I said the Carolina is going to be better than the Rangers. And like, no, no, no. <laughs> I did not think that they would be better than the Rangers. They are better than the Rangers. Um, I thought you just, I thought just, just because of Slavin and, um, you know, you know, Zveshnikov coming over and Aho is really good. And, you know, I just, they, they got a lot of, you know, I mean, I think the coaching change, Dougie did them Hamilton, some good like, they too. just got a lot of, they got a lot of good players, dude. Like, it's just, it just, their goaltending has always been their biggest issue. It's never been anything yes, else. Yes, it's goaltending, and I think the coaching change helped. I mean, they were always a team that drove possession, but now they do it with a little bit more, a uh, little bit more of an edge to them, and I like that. Like, and a little, and, and and not only driving it with with an edge, but they but they seem to do well with their possession too. It's not just it's not just um, possession for possession's sake. Like they're 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 if you watch them move the puck. They they're always looking for the for the the next best opening too. Yeah. It's not just it's not just holding on to it for the sake of you know it's not like in football where you're just trying to hold on to the ball and just kind of kill the clock. Right, and that's no shade towards Bill Peters because me and you have talked on the show before about how much we like Bill Peters and he's doing a fantastic job in uh, Calgary because that team oh he's is doing most a, he's certainly doing a really he's doing a really good job in Calgary. He, yeah, he, he that changed, team is most that certainly around. more than the sum of its parts. So hundred percent. Yeah, he's doing good work over there, but I think Brenda Moore adds that uh, that extra edge to them. But yeah, I mean, it makes you care about Carolina hockey. I promise you, if you're looking at your ESPN app and you see Carolina's up by one at home, <laughs> you're you're looking on Twitter waiting for the storm search. <laughs> like, what are they doing tonight? You know, like I mean, 
it makes you care, and more teams need you to care. Vegas is another team. They make you care. Yeah. More teams need to be like that. I I am on board with that completely. All right, let's get out of here. Um, okay. Greg, thank you again for coming by, uh, doing this for me for like a fucking year. I wish we knew when we first started this, then we could have like some sort of anniversary thing. But uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll figure it out sometime. I, I forgot to. Yeah, we'll yeah. dig for that. Um, but for now, uh, it has been about a year. So thanks for sticking with me for about a year. And um, Rangers fans, let's go Rangers. Uh, we'll see you next week, and hopefully we'll, we'll we would have won a game by then. <laughs> No, no, no. Keep tanking. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. Let's go, Rangers.